Let's pray. God, we just ask that you would um, be with us right now and that um, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts would be um, holy and acceptable to you right now. And we just ask for your word to accomplish what you want it to accomplish tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's Christmas. Look, Christmas. Jesus is born. Yeah. Okay, so obviously we're a little early in celebrating, but we can celebrate anytime, and we're going to talk about it tonight. Um, as you can tell, this is a bigger chunk of scripture than we've done on um, our Wednesday nights the past few weeks. So we got a lot we're going to go through. Um, if you don't have a sheet of paper or a pen, go ahead and grab one real quick. Um, and we're going to go through this um, quickly so we can get to our grow groups at the end. But I, it looks like, I mean, there's a lot of blanks there. So you guys got to keep up. Okay? Stick with me. I'll try to help you out when we need to write something down. But you should be able to figure it out. Okay. Let's see if I can do this fancy thing. Oh. All right. Here we go. We're going to look at verses 1 and 2 first. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. Okay. So, first thing. At the right time in history, Jesus was born. Yes, Jesus was born. You can help me out with these underlined words. At the right time in history, Jesus was born. All right, how often do you think about the Roman Empire? Every week at youth group while we're learning about the life of Jesus. Okay, we're going to be talking about the life of Jesus for a while. And guess what? Jesus lived during the Roman Empire. So we are taking a look at... Um, how this couple of verses that a lot of times we just throw away at the beginning, like, oh yeah, Caesar Augustus, sounds important, whatever. We're going to see how important it is that this was the right time of history for Jesus to come. So, here, I'm going to go back. So, um, the entire Roman world, you guys probably know a lot about this, I'm just real brief going to talk about this. So, it went from Europe, like, all the way in Spain down into Africa, Central Asia, big, big, big empire, right? What are some things you know that the Romans, like, invented or did, like, really, really well? Anyone, really fast. Go. Yes. Roads. Okay. Roads is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, okay. Well, the one I want to camp out on was roads that Rowan thought of and Kadri thought of. So, um, the road systems that connected the whole Roman Empire, like, you, they did that so you could travel easily through the whole, like, area. There's a lot of countries that this empire covered, and they had the, these road systems so that it made it easier to travel. And uh, another thing is, if you were part of the Roman Empire, you kind of knew at least a little bit of Latin or Greek. Anybody speak Latin in here? No, Trick question. Nobody speaks. I'm just kidding. All right. Um, so if you knew a little bit of Latin or Greek, 
through the whole Roman Empire, you could communicate with someone from a totally different continent because you were part of this big uh, empire. So this ensured that people who may have different languages before could hear the good news in a language that they could understand. And the roads are there so that people could travel and spread the good news. So this is a very important time in history, and it is not an accident that God picked this exact time for Jesus to be born. Okay, we're going to look at Galatians 4, 4 through 5 real quick. If you want to look up on the screen, it's not on your sheet. It says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Okay, the fullness of time had come. God knew exactly when Jesus would come to be born. Um, He knew exactly the time in history. It was no accident that it happened at this exact time. He had strategically planned it from before time began. Okay, another verse I want to share is 2 Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Okay. Last week, Kadri was talking about Zechariah and Zechariah's song and how he was talking about God's faithfulness. We even talked about Abraham, like, way, way, way back. Okay. You guys remember that God gave Abraham a promise that he would have as many kids as the what stars or he i think he also said sand right or is that somebody somewhere else anyway lots of lots and lots and lots of kids and grandkids and great great greats okay so it took hundreds and hundreds of years for this promise to be fulfilled in jesus so it seems like god was really slow at answering this promise but it's not how we understand slowness it is totally in God's time. <clears throat> um, so you've got a little line underneath our first point that says application. Just so you know, an application is just something that we can hold on to and take with us into our day-to-day life, something to remember. So here's our application for this. God is in control of history, of your life right now, and of the future. So past, present, and future. Kadri was talking about how we can think back in our past and praise God for the things that he's done. Not only has he done things in our personal lives, he's done things in history like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago. He's working in your life right now, and he knows the future. He knows what is best for us, and you can trust him. Okay? We're going we're gonna to zip through these, but I'm going to say it one more time. God is in control of history your life right now and of the future. You can write past, present, future if that's easier. He knows what is best for us and you can trust him. Okay? We're going to the next one. Verses 4 through 5. Boom. It says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth and Galilee. This is not Joseph Friddle, by the way. This is um, Joseph, Jesus' dad. I know you guys were thinking, what was Joseph doing in Nazareth? But, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Joseph, Jesus' dad, that's who we're talking about now. Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. 
We've heard about Mary. We know that an angel came to her. We know that the Holy Spirit caused her to be Jesus's mom, right? We know all this. We've been talking about it. So in these verses, this census is happening. Joseph and Mary had a decision to make. They obeyed and trusted God, even when their plans changed drastically. Okay, so maybe you can think of a time. I'm just going to give a real quick example. Um, Imagine maybe planning for some huge event and then having to all of a sudden throw out your plan completely at the last minute. All right, maybe you can think of some time that happened to you. I'll share real quick. Um, When I graduated from my teaching degree at Western, this was in 2013 when you were all tiny little toddlers, Um, it was a December graduation and everything was set up and ready to go. Has anyone been to a graduation in the Ramsey Center before? Yep, yep, okay. So you know it's a big deal. They've got the music, they've got the sound system, they've got hundreds of people in the, and they've got the flowers and the stage and the chairs, all the things, okay. So right before my graduation, someone called in a bomb threat to the graduation ceremony, okay. It totally, it was not Caleb. It totally threw things for a loop. No bomb was found, everyone was fine, no one got hurt. But of course, right away, the people that are in charge have to get everybody out of the building and have to get everyone to safety because they don't know what could happen, all right? We had to move the entire graduation ceremony to the football field in December. Thankfully, it was sunny and not super cold. Um, But we had practiced and prepared for it to be in one place and then it was totally thrown out and the plans changed in an instant so that we could still graduate and family members that were there could see everyone graduate okay so um, it was not what anyone had expected when they were showing up to graduate that day that's a very like small example this is a little bit of a bigger deal just think about Mary and Joseph already they've had these crazy angel encounters that they probably didn't expect They probably didn't expect that she would be pregnant before they actually got married, right? Probably didn't expect it to be God's son, the Holy Spirit, like, that's causing this to happen. A lot of unexpected things, but they were probably like, okay, she's pregnant. We've got to get a midwife. We've got to get, like, they've already made plans with their family members. Let's figure out our birth plan, right? But... The Roman government census was a huge wrench in those plans. So legally, Joseph had to go to his hometown in Bethlehem, which is like close to 70 miles away. And they had to walk there, the little donkey, and she's very close to having her child. They probably were not planning for her to have the baby in Bethlehem, but that's how it happened, okay? Think about 70 miles from here, I looked it up is Anderson South Carolina so that's like past Greenville South Carolina it's like way past Pigeon Forge if you want to go to Tennessee instead of South Carolina okay walking there and she's very pregnant okay so that seemed like the plans were totally out of control but God had it deliberately planned for that purpose for them to be in Bethlehem he knew exactly what he was doing Um, In Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, it says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, 
says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. And then in Romans chapter 11, 33 and 34, it says, Oh, how great are God's riches and wisdom and knowledge. How impossible it is for us to understand his decisions and his ways. For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to give him advice? Um, so we even sang about it in the, the song, Behold Your Glory, like it's saying your ways are so high above me. Like we may never understand why God plans things a certain way, but he has everything in his control and he cares about our good and he has it for a good purpose. So what seems like an inconvenience or totally unexpected like wrench in our plans, uh, it's no surprise to God. In fact, God works that way a lot to humble us and show us his glory. So ready for this? Boom. Application. God's plan for us may not always be what we expect. Can I get an amen? Anyone? Yeah. Okay. Most of the time may not be what we expect, I could even say. All right? God's plan for us may not always be what we expect. All right. If you're with me, thumbs up. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Verses 6 and 7. So Mary and Joseph, they've walked to Anderson, South Carolina. I mean Bethlehem. And they are there. While they were there, in verse 6, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn a son. She wrapped him in cloths place in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Okay. Jesus humbled himself. Everybody say humbled. humbled. Yeah. Say it again. Humbled. humbled. Nice. Humbled. Close. All right. Jesus humbled himself from eternal king to crying baby. Everyone point up. Eternal king. Point up high. And now crying baby. All right. That's what Jesus did. Boom to boom. To make a way for us to return to God. We got it? All right. If you don't hear anything else tonight, this is like the most important one. This is such a big deal for the Savior of the world who sits on the throne at the right hand of God to leave all of that glory and splendor. He's like worshipped 24-7 by angels and a host of people. He leaves all of that behind just to humble himself to be an embryo and then a fetus and then a baby okay he a baby is helpless it has to rely on its mother or father for safety and food and care and jesus humbled himself to that okay this is there is a really famous um it's really like a hymn or a song recorded in scripture we read it a lot it talks about this in philippians 2 5 through 11 it's a lot. I'm going to read it quickly. All right. It says this. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Everybody say humbled, humbled. himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him. Can you guys say exalted? exalted? Yeah, him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, 
every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Woo! Yeah, that's right. Okay, so Jesus is the perfect example. If you want to know what humility is, he's the perfect example of true humility, right? And as that passage says, his humility is what caused him to be exalted to the highest place in heaven. Right? Jesus even talked about this before he died on the cross. During his ministry, in Matthew 23, 12, it says, Jesus is saying this, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. So the people who are like, I am the stuff, I am the best, they will be humbled. And those who humble themselves, like Jesus, they will be exalted. Okay? Um, when we think of Jesus, we should always try to remember that he has had the full human experience. He humbled himself to be like us. He's been through everything we encounter in our lives. Um, this should encourage us to run to him and to trust him with the things that we're dealing with. So it says in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest, that's Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Okay? So, ready? Application. Jesus is... Oh, dang. No. Okay, we're there. That's the one. Jesus is with you in whatever you are dealing with. He pursues us. We're talking about this in experiencing God. Raise your hand if you're going to uh, high school grow group. Yeah. High school grow group. God pursues us, right? He is with us in every high and low of our lives. Okay? So Jesus humbling himself enables him to be able to identify with us. And we can come to him with the things that we deal with in our lives. Okay? You're doing great. We're doing awesome. We're going to keep going. Here we go. Verse 8 through 14, another big chunk. Has anyone ever watched um, the Charlie Brown Christmas? Yes. So this is very familiar, right? This is when Linus is like, Charlie Brown, this is what Christmas is all about. And he like gets up on the stage, and there's like this spotlight. And he's like, and there were, and that's it. I can't do his voice. Anyway, this is that passage that he says in Charlie Brown Christmas. So here we go. And there were in the same, nope. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, that's Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. All right. Shepherds. That's who the angels came to. Shepherds were a very unlikely group of people to get the first announcement of the Messiah. Okay? And just in case you haven't heard that word before, the Messiah means that's who we're talking about, the anointed one, Jesus, the Son of God. All right? They were the first ones to get that announcement. So a shepherd was one of, like, the very lowliest occupations one person could have. So God still chose them 
to be the first, other than Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth, Zachariah, like they had an idea. But after Jesus was born, boom, shepherds were the first to find out that Jesus had come, right? Not only did they get an angel messenger visit like Mary and Joseph did, they also got a front row seat to the biggest worship concert ever, okay? They saw multitudes of angels in the sky praising God, okay? It seems like maybe Mary or Joseph should have gotten tickets to that show, but it was the shepherds that got to see this heavenly host instead of just the one. They, they got both, the concert and the individual angel coming to them. Okay, God chose to reveal this heavenly party to stinky shepherds. Okay, let's take a look at 1 Corinthians 1, 26 through 29 real quick. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Okay? So God has an upside-down kingdom. Some people uh, use that phrase sometimes. I really like that. He, The things that we think, oh, like, the angels should have come to the emperor Caesar Augustus to, so that he could tell everybody. No, he came to the most unlikely of people. Okay? Um... Some other shepherds in the Bible. You guys know Moses was a shepherd? Can you think of another shepherd? Yeah. David was a shepherd. Okay. Um, a lot of people that God called in the Bible, I would say pretty much all the people God called in the Bible were unlikely people. Okay. So we're going to read a few different um, responses when God was calling some people. The first one is Moses, who we said was a shepherd. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Right? As you know, that's not the only time he's like, I don't think so, God. Like, you have it wrong. Okay? Moses was not a huge fan of the call, and he was real resistant to it. He was like, you've got the wrong guy, God. Okay? Um, not, so David was a king. Right before David was Saul. This is like Old Testament Saul. When he was called to be king, he said, but I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe in Israel. Oh, and also my family is like the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking like this to me? Okay. Um, David, we said, our other shepherd, who am I and what is my family in Israel that I should be the king's son-in-law? David exclaimed, my father's family is nothing. And then uh, one of the judges, Gideon, in Judges chapter 6 it says but Lord Gideon replied how can I rescue Israel my clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh and I am the least in my entire family listen to what God's response is the Lord said to him I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man okay so God is saying hey I didn't make a mistake I'm the one that's fighting for you for for Gideon here and um we know that God is using these unlikely people so that he is the one working through them and he's the one that gets the glory. So God can speak to and even use the most unlikely of people. Okay? Everybody say shepherd. Try again. 
Yeah, okay, thank you. All right, we're, we're moving on, guys, because I'm over time. All right, we're going to do just a couple more real quick. So in verse 15 through 16, it says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And then verse 19, But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Okay? The angel didn't say, Hey, shepherds, this is happening. Jesus is born. I command you in the name of the Lord to go and see this baby. That's not in there. Okay? All they said was, Hey, Jesus is born. This is how you would know. If you see this, that's the Son of God. He didn't command the shepherds to go. They had a choice of what to do once they heard the good news. Okay? Um, and I'm going to zip through because we're out of time. Okay. You don't have to write all this down. I just want you to think about this question for a second. We have a choice just like the shepherds did. Okay? When we hear the good news of salvation, are we going to run to Jesus? Or if we've already accepted him, like Mary, are you going to treasure your salvation and think about the gospel often? All right. They also had a choice. We're super speed. The next one. The shepherds also had a choice of what to do after seeing Jesus for themselves. Okay? Um, after they went to see Jesus, they could have been like, Wow, that was great. I'm so tired. My sheep probably need me. Gonna go back to sleep. They're not... They had a choice of what to do with that information. And what they did was, they returned, glorifying and praising God. They spread the word concerning what had been told about this child. Okay? Um, So, we're thinking about the Great Commission... Jesus commanding people to go into all the world and tell them the gospel, the good news. Um, He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. The shepherds were the first people to do that. Even before Jesus' ministry, they were the first people to go out and tell what they had seen in Jesus. Okay? All right, so we have a choice of what we do after we've accepted the gospel. Will you run to others to spread the good news? Will you glorify and praise God for the gift of Jesus? All right. We have one more, guys. All right. We don't have to read verse 1 and 2 again. The last one. The good news spread to people in the village who then took it with them where? Where? Everywhere. To their hometowns. Okay. So after the census was taken... Everybody went back from Bethlehem to their hometowns, to all these different places in the Roman Empire, okay? So if the shepherds had not told them, they probably wouldn't know because it was in this random stable that this tiny little baby had been born. But the shepherds spread the word, and then those people that heard it went to their towns and probably spread the word there, okay? So um, just think about, we're going to zip through. Just think about quickly. Sharing the gospel with even just one person has a ripple effect for all eternity. 
Think about the person who shared the gospel with you. If they had not shared that with you, or think about the person who shared it with them, if they had never heard it. Um, one person sharing can make a ripple effect across eternity. So my encouragement to you is to take the good news, be that um, missionary like the shepherds were, and go and share what Jesus has done and who he is. Okay? Um, I know we went over a little bit. Thank you guys for bearing with me, but there was a lot in there. 